Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett as ever. We've just done an hour, Rob, but we could have done another (laughs) show and we've only just started recording. Yes, we just literally did an hour of like talking about what we'd like to see, what we would do, why things don't happen in the way that they, we want them to. And we'll talk about some of that today on the show. But here we are recording, you know, only hours after Manchester United's catastrophic failure in Sevilla. And uh, and it feels all very Liverpool or is it very Brentford or whatever we've seen so many times this season where these football players are not good enough for Manchester United. So we're going to kind of dig into some of that today. Obviously, it might not sound particularly positive, but we'll try and put a positive spin on some of the good stuff. Will we? I'm, yes. not, I'm not feeling I'm going positive. To. I'm, I'm not, not feeling, feeling positive. I'm feeling like I've seen this 10 times already this season. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, there's time now. I've seen enough. And surely Ericsson Hag has seen enough to know that some of these players cannot go on the journey with him long term and there's a summer transfer window coming it's just a case of plastering over all of the problems that they we know exist mm-hmm. for the next few games FA Cup coming up this weekend to be honest looking at the way Man City are playing at the moment and looking at the way Brighton are playing at the moment if United don't get through and they can just concentrate on the league and finish in the top four for me I think you draw a line under it good season but you have to make sure that now your safety blanket of the Europa League is gone after that awful performance in Seville. Mm-hmm. They need to ensure that top four is the top priority and they don't... The, the word bottle has come up quite a lot of late in relation mm-hmm. to um, Arsenal. United are going to bottle it if they don't finish in the top four. That is simply the case and we do not want that to happen. Anyway... Um, Yes, subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods. Uh, we're with you on Tuesdays and Fridays usually. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us as well. And tweet us. Our unverified status is confirmed. Uh, <laughs> at underscore Scott Saunders, Goodbye, underscore Rob, underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. We are still Scott and Rob on social media platforms. And uh, I, I tweeted a fair bit last night watching that absolute shower um rob were you vocal or have you are you more measured in your uh you, you more analytic do you you do it in like two or three two or three tweets or do you leave it for the pod i didn't do any tweets last night zero i did i i released a couple this morning about the first goal because I think there's been obviously a lot of conjecture about what the first goal was. Of course, it was a nightmare. But you know what? Also, five severe goals over the two games were a nightmare, weren't they? All completely preventable. So as a fan, do I feel good about any of it? Of course not, Scott. But then you've got to kind of pick out some of the detail and think, why is it wrong? And is it fixable? And will it be fixed? And I still completely trust this manager, even after all of this. You know, and I think he got some of the tactics wrong at Sevilla, I really do. And I think he got some of the tactics wrong in the first leg. You know, when you pulled those players off after an hour, you, you kind of you kind of let the ball drop with some of those some of those substitutions. I think he did it yesterday at half time as well. I didn't really particularly agree with what he was doing. I think at one nil you were kind of winning, losing that game only one nil after it was so bad. But I do think, you know, as a football fan, the fr- the frustration is just seeing what you know repeat itself. And one of the things I said on last week's show 
was that I'm never confident of Man United winning a football match with this centre-back pairing, ever. I wasn't when under Solskjaer. I'm not today. I won't be in the future. And I was saying to you off-camera, quite happy Harry Maguire is suspended for the for the Sunday's game at the FA Cup, <laughs> even though we got no centre-backs because Luke Shaw is still injured. So all of those things, I think as a football fan, yeah, they're not they're not good, but I think from a from a more moderate view, there are things that this manager has done this year that have taken May United on massively forward. I cannot believe we're third. Like I can't believe it. And we might not end up third with these two centre-backs. And I don't think, I'm not really blaming Lindelof. I'm, I'm definitely blaming Maguire more. I think yesterday that pass, we can talk about that a little bit in a minute, but the leadership from the captain is not good enough and his football is not good enough and he needs to go. He needs to leave the football club. You need a centre-back that can do it. But you, it's just the same cracks. It felt like the ghost of Solskjaer passed yesterday, seeing those players. Because the same players. Because <laughs> it's the same players. It doesn't matter how good Ten Hag is, how good the systems are, the future, the signings, all of this. It is what's there. And I said to you off camera, I'll say it again, clear-outs very rarely happen at football clubs. It does happen now and then, but it's rare. They only do it as a fire sale. But there are players here that really shouldn't be in your squad. And that is the problem because as soon as you lose one, two or three of your good players, this Man United team becomes the 12th best team in England or something like that. And therefore, you're not going to progress in Europe. You mentioned criticism of Ten Hag there. I think that what you can maybe criticise him for, although it's not entirely fair, is playing the way that he wants with the tools that he has. Hmm. Um that's probably on the manager. I don't blame him for that. But, you know, uh, watching Harry Maguire being un unable to just pivot and turn on a pass, you know, is just is just not good enough. Um, and I think we'll talk about Harry Maguire on today's episode. Nothing to prove, Harry Maguire says in public. He has nothing to prove. He's nothing to prove to me. Well, I know, um, I know he's not good enough. Don't you got nothing to prove, mate? Yeah, and Rob is uh, very much in camp. Don't blame De Gea. I got a bit of stick for it last night for suggesting. No, it was Maguire's no. fault. It's Maguire's fault. I'm not in the don't blame De Gea. I blame all of them. But I, I think, I think with De Gea plays that ball to any of the other normal centre-backs with normal faculties is not a problem. It's the correct ball. You're playing through a triangle trap. It goes to the centre-back. He only just let the ball go, run through his legs, turn around, and you've got 60 yards of space. That's not De Gea's fault. I'm sorry, it's not the goalkeeper's fault in that thing. But De Gea cannot pass the ball particularly well. And I think the third goal was more about what De David De Gea's feet are like, which show you, isn't it, that he's just not very good at kicking it. Yeah, we'll look at a bit of... Who's to blame today? Because that's Yay. a favourite question in uh, in the 90-min realm. Who is to blame? We have a content series. I've done four Man United Who is to Blame articles um, <laughs> over the past five years at varying points. Always tongue-in-cheek. Uh, that's the kind of thing that we, we do. But we'll look at... Did last night change the manager's mind on any players? And obviously we know that uh, Ten Hag and David De Gea... We know that David De Gea is close to signing an extension on his contract. There are some fans uh, and some looking at it suggesting that this is necessary and it's the right decision because he's the he's top of the clean sheets league in the Premier League. What a goalkeeper. There are others who think perfectly natural time for to move a player on who doesn't fit what you are trying to do. Rob's in one side, I'm on the other. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure we'll... I don't know if we are. I don't know if we are. I just, I, I think it's more to do with what the manager sees as the priorities. It's not really... like, like I, I know David Hayes not really good at his feet. I do content every week saying it. But, but then why are we surprised when things happen with his feet? Like, you have to base things around a more holistic approach. That's what I'm saying. And I think there is a reason why this manager is going to give him a contract. We said before, let him go, didn't we? Because then you go buy a goalkeeper that fits what you want to do. But I think one of the debates we'll have today is, can you buy multiple players and sell multiple players all in one big go? And my view on it is that, from the evidence, we don't see that happen at football clubs very, very, very often. I'm not completely convinced we'll see 
we'll see it at Man United this year where you maybe have do the Ranić change, the 10 in, 10 out or something like that, something radical. Football clubs are conservative businesses. They are not radicals. That's the only thing I'm saying about De Gea. That's why he's getting a contract. Just to not dig up and dig into what we were talking about off camera. I'm suggesting that I don't think a club like Man United should be impossible or unable to shift six players out for money slash release and bring six in. And they don't all have to be 70 million players, is no. what I'm saying as well. Yeah. Uh, that is the kind of evolution. They bought seven. They bought seven over the course of the season. They've, they've got seven or eight out. Uh, they haven't raised a lot of money, but there's players in that team who can fetch money because we know that there's Premier League interest in a number of players. But anyway, uh, where do we want to go first? Where should we go? Well, let's start with the pass and finish that one off with the Maguire. Or did we do that? So do, do, yeah, we, did... we did it, but there's probably more in it. We kind of did it. I, th- I think what we saw last night is how this Man United team reacts without a brain in it. So what did you lose last night? Bruno Fernandes. So let's give Bruno some love here because I think we always get on me about not giving Bruno enough love. You see what Bruno gives you in a game like this because Man United had no creativity at all. Absolutely no creativity. And this is why you're going to have to buy creative players in the future. And that's a big, I think, a historical issue at Man United that you need to go on for a long time. But no Varane, no Martinez. So those three players, Scott, you might as well have not had any players out there. That's how bad it felt, wasn't it? Is that there was no brain on the ball. Very hard for Ericsson to operate. Ericsson kind of all over the place trying to get on the ball and not being able to make the pass. Casemiro, probably his worst game for United, would we say? Up there with the Anfield game. Like, you know, just looked laboured, didn't look switched on. Um, And that back four, you saw the manager making those little uh, switches at, at fullback because I think he was concerned about the out ball, which was Maguire to um, to Wambasaka, so he tried to heal that by swap- swapping them, and then he pulled Wambasaka. And I actually think Wambasaka was the only one in that back five who kind of, to me, looked aggressive and on it. So you, these are the issues, and I think that this is how Man United in these weeks ahead. Why I felt so bad about losing the centre backs, not just because you're losing a World Cup winner or two World Cup winners. That's what they are now, isn't it? Of course, with Martinez, but you're losing your brains out there and that is a problem that's a much bigger problem than can the goalkeeper pass the ball so I, I think when I look at this in the weeks ahead I'm only worried about top four like I don't feel particularly worried about Wembley on Sunday I'm kind of like well if you win that great you get a Wembley you might win it you might not win it I'm worried about top four and I'm still worried about top four there's also the distinct possibility in the FA Cup family you get absolutely embarrassed by Man City as they go on to win a treble if you put in a performance like that that's it but at least like if you do get to the FA Cup final then you could create a bit of history. Like, it, stopping teams winning trebles is what Man United have done over the years. United did it to Liverpool famously in the 70s when that Liverpool team were on to, to win a uh, you know clean sweep of everything. And Man United, a bad Man United team in the late 70s, beat them at Wembley, you know, far inferior to Liverpool. So it can happen. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. You might get hammered by City. But I just think it's more about how you now navigate every game going forward, like all these Premier League games towards the end of the season, you've got to somehow have a brain out there. And I don't know where it comes from. I really don't. Obviously, Bruno will come back into your midfield. Um, but players have got injuries. You can see that are carrying last night. Luke Shaw's got an injury. Rashi comes back early, but still definitely injured. <sighs> oh, it's a tough gig for Ten Hag. It really is because you can have all the tactics in the world, but if your players have not got the football intelligence... Very, very difficult. You mentioned at the top of the show, you know, should you be playing out from the back? I don't think the manager's ever going to change that. He's not going to say just kick it long. He's just not going to do it. Managers don't do that. But it's a difficult gig, isn't it? There's because a how... balance between having your ideals and just getting by. Yeah, like again, just... And, he, Maguire... and he did adapt in the early weeks of the season when Christian Eriksen got closed down by Brentford. He changed yes. his distribution patterns. He did, he did. And you might have to go somewhere towards that but you've spent weeks and months doing things that have been largely successful, which is why maybe there is a fear of moving away from it or, or admitting to the players that you should now move away from it because of them. So that's always, I think, the, the philosophical issue at football clubs and why managers don't always change things. Like we will say managers who are at the bottom of the division, well, why are you just not doing this? Why? Because then you won't be bottom. 
but these managers carry on doing it until they get sacked because they believe in it. So I don't think like Ten Hag's not in that place, but he's got to find a way now, isn't he, at the back? Harry Maguire should be able to turn on that ball from David De Gea. I'm sorry. There's nothing around him. People were saying that it was a short pass and all of that. It wasn't. Maguire just has to be cute, let the ball run through his legs. Uh, Harry, turn, you just said there that Harry Maguire... And turn around. Has, you said that Do, Harry Maguire has to be cute. I would... Would I ever, ever use the word cute in relation to Harry Maguire? I wouldn't. You wouldn't. Never, ever in my life. <laughs> Jose Mourinho did. Jose Mourinho wanted Harry Maguire because he wanted someone who was cuter on the ball. So Harry Maguire supposedly built his whole career, Scott, and being the most expensive defender of all time, yeah, around being a ball-playing, progressing centre-back with really good ball-progressing centre-back stats, even in a bad Man United team under Ronald and Solskjaer. So t- do not tell me he cannot turn on the ball. I know he's rusty. I think that is the excuse. He's not played enough games and he's rusty. But I was just as upset when the ball smashes him in the face in the first leg and goes in because get your head out of the way, mate. That's what you have to do. You have to be alive to it. And that pass there from De Gea to him and then out to Wambasaka is because you're not alive. It's the brain. It's not about your physicality. So he can let that ball run through his legs and there's no severe player. They're trying to set the trap and pull on him. But you just turn and then there's three Man United players free in front of you. Just play it, pass it to one of them. So I blame Maguire with that. But of course, the blame game is pointless. But I think it also does show maybe this manager, maybe that was the straw that broke the camel's back seeing that last night and thinking, well, that's a bad moment. And that really defined the whole game for us and took us on a journey away from our game plan. And I think that's true. I think that is it. And I think that comes from Maguire's feet. That's, it. that's ultimately where I sit on it, right? Hmm. So... I got a lot of stick last night, actually, um, for suggesting that David De Gea should have recognised that he's not passing to Lissandra Martinez. Hmm. Um, people were saying, oh, that's ridiculous, and it's kind of the same angle as this conversation. Harry Maguire should be able to do it. He cost 80 million quid. He should be able to do it. Yeah, David De Gea has played with Harry Maguire for four or five years. Mm-hmm. He knows what he can and can't do. He know, He must know. He must see that there's three players around him closing him from all different angles. He must yeah. see that. Yeah, And you have to make a call in that situation. Can that player do it? What I will say, people are very keen to suggest that it's only Harry Maguire's fault. For me, it's not. It's both players. Mm -hmm. And my takeaway from that is that both players are not for this team moving forward. In three years, in two years' time, in two summers' time, both of those players should not be starting for Man United because they are not capable of playing in the way that Eric Ten Hag wants to play. It's a case of David De Gea might sign his contract, but he's not going to be in there for seven, eight years, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And David De Gea signs a new contract, whether it's two years, three years, five years, whatever, is that we are going to be having the same conversation next season. Mm-hmm. what it is yeah so so that's on the manager it's not on David De Gea it's on the manager first and foremost he's got to decide those things and decide what is what's absolutely hell-bent must happen now to help the team move forward and bits that maybe he thinks he can postpone because I think that's why De Gea is getting a contract um but you just said there that in the moment that he should decide not to play that ball to Maguire because it's Maguire they would have spent Scott two or three days together practicing that triangle trap yeah, they would have done. So what they do on the training ground, three players coming from converging with a, with a striker at the top coming towards the goalkeeper. And the, what the manager would have been saying to doing is play the straight ball out to the centre-back who's got space, not to the full-backs because the full-backs with the wide players are actually closer to those players and you play that straight ball. If, if De Gea in that moment decides to go long and if he does that, there's no goal, is there? We all go, well, all right, we'll forget about that. That's not what the manager then says to the player. The manager says you should have played that ball to Maguire. He's the captain and he's supposed to be a ball player. So this is all horses for courses. This is the problem is that the best thing to do is just not have Maguire there ever. And that's what I said last week. And I'm going to stick with that. And I think you're going to have to sell him to, to get better. You know, you have to almost get worse to get better. But I think in that moment, I don't think De Gea can almost make that call because it's a simple pass. He's made that pass all season long and United have played out from the back in those scenarios pretty well the metrics support that so to our eyes why we all see that bad error and I think the third goal is really the bad error when you see De Gea coming out and fluffing that and like just don't do it that first pass we can say no don't make it De Gea but his manager will be telling him to make it and that is more important to the player than what we think yep completely agree um 
but like I like I addressed at the top of the show, Eric Ten Hag had David De Gea and Harry Maguire at Brentford, and so it didn't work. Yeah, and we've had Maguire for a long time, and we know that the, that this player cannot do certain things, and and we know that De Gea can't do certain things. But the big million pound question has got to be then: if we think it's that bad, and fans think it's that bad, why is this manager giving a contract? And there are reasons for that. And the reasons for that is that you, you just can't get rid of everyone all at once. But we're going to have that conversation as well, aren't we? Maybe not today, but um, yeah. in future weeks. Definitely. In future weeks. What I will say, though, and what I think is... This is another issue that I have with De Gea. Like, and this is maybe a criticism from me of Eric Ten Hag. Like, obviously, I'm not in the changing room. Eric Ten Hag sees... I think he sees David De Gea as a senior player. Mm-hmm. He sees the personality. He sees clean sheets. He sees former Premier League champion 10 years ago. He sees, you know, all of this experienced player, senior head. The mental weakness in this team bats you around the head every few weeks. We've seen it in Brentford. We've seen it at Liverpool. We've seen it at Man City. We've seen it at Aston Villa. We've seen it in this game. We've seen it in others this mm. season as well. With Man United, they have not beaten. They're going to Tottenham on Thursday. They have not taken a point against any top half Premier League team mm-hmm. in away fixtures in the Premier League this season. Yeah, that is mentality weakness to me. Yeah, and as much as Eric Ten Hag wants to say, David, he's my, he's this, he's this, he's that to me. This squad is weak mentally. Mm-hmm. They have proven that they can get it right in certain situations and they can react quite well to performances like this. But the performances like this keep happening. And how do you rid yourself of that? Simply put, for me, there are players in this team who are not mentally able to deal with it. And that is another issue why I wouldn't renew De Gea. I'm not only, I'm not only picking on De Gea. There's a ton mm-hmm. of these players in this team and we've seen it quite a lot but I think in order to shift that around you need to just essentially just replace these players I don't I don't think these players are comfortable enough to Lisandro Martinez is the difference right that that is the difference between Harry Maguire and Lisandro Martinez he is able to take that under pressure and not really care because he knows his technical ability will back him through it David mm. De Gea isn't that Harry Maguire isn't that Aaron Wan-Bissaka isn't that let's let's be honest he's had a resurgence in the second half of the season but at the start of the season, everybody said he should be sold. You need to be ruthless. You need to be ruthless. And for me, don't renege on that ruthless, ruthlessness. I think that is going to end up hamstringing United longer term. Yeah, I think Eric Ten Hag as an individual has proved through his career that he's pretty ruthless Like in terms of how he sets his teams up to play, uh, mitigating issues and kind of pushing on strengths. I do think that you just said they talked about like mental toughness. And I do think there's a massive issue at Man United has been for a very long time. Leadership, toughness and all of this is that after Brentford and then when Man United went on that kind of much better run, one of the reasons why you didn't lose games massively was David De Gea. David De Gea saved you in a lot of those games. So I think that builds up trust with the manager, even though David De Gea can't pass the ball out. So when we are expecting to see David be a lot better with the ball at feet, there's no kind of point with that. We know he's never going to be that that kind of player. But I think this is the part of the problem. As you're saying they're in the dressing room, that's the bit we don't see. I think it's pretty evident, evident on a football pitch that when Harry Maguire is the captain of the football team and he's on there, and he's pointing at people and going, mate, over there, you over there, you take him. That no one is listening to him at all. Oh, so you like, could see you could see the way that, Anthony reacted to his goal yeah, the other day. <laughs> that's a failure of leadership from that one player. I think what we see, and the manager has spoken about this a lot, is that through this season, and let's be honest, season ends today, Scott. Yes, yeah, finished. Let's say it's finished today. You came third, you won a trophy, and no one expected anything like that this year. Like no one in terms of that level. When you look back over the body of work through the year and the manager's going through all the detail, for him, De Gea is probably one of the surprises because I'm sure when he walked in the door on day one, he probably thought this goalkeeper's going to do nothing for me. And in fact, he's coming to the end of his contract. 
might have to bin him. You know, Dean Henderson doesn't even want to turn up for training, you know, because he wants to go to go to another football club. Goodbye, Dino. You know, but De Gea has saved United multiple times this year, and he might end the season. It ended today. He ends the season as the Golden Glove winner. So we can talk about his failures until we're blue in the face, and I agree with all of them. He is not your sweeper keeper. He can never be that. But I think that is a holistic problem with how Man United move the ball from back to front, sideways, from midfield, from the attack, from the wider areas. There are bigger issues. I would say that maybe the issues are the ball players. So if you ball players can, you can add more ball players to ball players and add work rate and add mentality, then I think you move on. And that's why I think Maguire, he's supposed to be a ball player, Scott. That's his profile of player. He's not a ball player. He's a great big well, forklift truck that can't right? turn around in a circle. And it's like two hundred grand you're paying this guy, and he's the most expensive centre back of all time, and he cannot let the ball run through his legs. It's, Ultimate, it's, it's Rob, a joke. ultimately right. You're looking at Harry Maguire there, and you're saying he should be able to do this. Yeah, but every single every single Man United fan will tell you, and you'll probably say you'll you'll agree with this. Every single Man United fan will tell you that Ed Woodward in charge of transfers was an absolute disaster. Completely. Who yeah. signing was that? Ed Woodward. Yeah. They are suffering yeah. a hangover from all the business that they did, of course, all last season. The signings that I know your jury's out on Malassia a little bit. Ten Hag signings generally have been safe and sturdy. Veghorst is convenience, obviously, whatever. Sabitzer jury's out on him as well, but generally, Ten Hag is having to manage players who have been bought by a different regime, mm. and he needs to. <laughs> It's obvious. Harry Maguire was judged by Ed Woodward and the scouting team and whoever it was in charge of transfers at that time. And Jose Mourinho, who's a very, very different type of manager to Eric Ten Hag, that he's a ball player. He ain't. <laughs> he's not. We need to stop judging them through these lenses and call a spade a spade. He's a ball player for England. In a back three. In a back three. Exactly. Different tactics, different manager. So I, I think the thing is, profiles are always get a bit skewed because they always are overlapping kind of skill sets and weaknesses. But I think with Maguire, he's supposed to be good at two or three things very, very specifically that get him out of trouble in terms of like his lack of pace or all these things. I do think that not playing games can affect your mentality and can affect your form. You become rusty. So I think that is valid. You wouldn't but, admit. but we've seen it enough times. Yeah, this is, this is the thing. We've seen it. I saw... One one person tweet that like we've kind of seen two hundred appearances where we know that the the axis of De Gea and Lindelof and Maguire and I don't think Lindelof was bad last night even though United lost this football match um, that it doesn't work so like you know we've had to go back to it because of injuries I don't think this manager is stupid enough to think that this is any kind of solution um, this is why as bad as I feel about the result Scott I don't feel bad about the rest of it as badly, even though I know you definitely need new players because I think this process takes time. It took Jurgen Klopp a year and a half to get anywhere near to getting his squad together at Liverpool. Uh, Pep Guardiola went through a ton of players in year one to try and make it work, started to trim the squad, started to buy other players at bigger value. It takes time. Arsenal at the top of the table. It's been a three-year project. People think it happened like that. Click my fingers at my mic it didn't. It took three years. That is, what, 36 months. So we're now 10 months into this project. And I do think that Ten Hag knows all of this. I don't think Ten Hag is fooled that his goalkeeper will be a sweeper keeper next year. I don't think he thinks Harry Maguire will get any quicker next year. But I do think you have to get the right targets in from the football club. And maybe that's the next step now. Go buy the next two or three that then allow you to maybe get rid of the next four or five. And then you can start doing it in a window. We see, Scott, we've still got the same regime at the helm here. That's still the Glazers and their people doing your business. All we can hope is that Eric Ten Hag keeps scoring on his hit rate of good transfers. And yet there'll still be plenty of people, Scott, that tell you that Anthony's been a bust. Plenty of United fans. You know, Jaden Sancho came the year before. Jaden Sancho's not been a success. So there are, there are still players that I think we all believe in or want to see carry on in the team. But the evidence says at the moment, after 12 months, 24 months, whatever you want to call it, these players are not helping you. So there are bigger questions there, I think, than, than just Harry Maguire, if you know what I mean. There is a ton of players in there. Uh, let us know in the comment section or on Twitter, um, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B, at Promise and MU hmm. for the show. Let us know who who is to blame. <laughs> let us know who is to blame. Uh 
would you renew David De Gea's contract on two hundred thousand pound a week? Do you, do you, this is another point I want to make on David De Gea, right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. No, but they might, and they probably will. They will. <laughs> we know they will, right? <laughs> the thing is, we just had this conversation about David De Gea hmm. and needing to replace him long term. If you give him a contract for two hundred k a week, although the suggestion is that it's based on uh, is uh, it's based on performance and these type of things, but they haven't come to an agreement yet. They managed to get Luke Shaw over the line. They haven't come to this agreement yet, so there yeah. must be stuff they're still working out. If let's say David Haye renews for two or three years on two hundred k a week, how do you replace him in those two or three years on two hundred grand a week? How do you, you turf him out? How do you put him on the bench? You, you, it's difficult. I don't. Think, I don't really know if you can. Like, uh, exactly. I think he, he, so that t- suggests your problem is going to remain for that amount of time because and, David Haye yeah. isn't going to do it. But this also maybe goes into the discussions that are being said behind closed doors that maybe we're not privy to. So I think what this manager will probably say to De Gea, a little bit of hearsay here, but I think he will say to him, we'll give you a new contract, but you might not be the number one in years to come. So you want your money, we'll pay you your money, you get your 200 grand. I know you sort of camera, if he gets five years, you're going to like you know, jump off the top of head against truck. the wall. Or yeah, exactly. Or something like that. Yeah. And, and I understand <laughs> that totally because it, it kind of ties you in. What Man United think quite often with contracts is that we get them under contract and we can sell them. We can get something for them. So you David, Gea, David De Gea on 200k a week. I'm sorry. You're not selling not David De Gea on 200 grand a week. But what if the deal, Scott, is 120? Would you still sign it? I wouldn't. 120 should be your starting goalkeeper wage. Yes, I think so. And I think you probably can get a starting goalkeeper for 120, but you might have to pay a really, really big fee and agents fees on top of that and everything else that goes with it if you want the goalkeeper that you really want. There's some really good goalkeepers out there. This all really comes down to whether the manager thinks that goalkeeper is priority one, two or three. If you're, if it's somewhere... Let's play this in, game now. Let's play this yeah, game now. Let's do it. Come on then, Scott. Let's play, let's play so spin, spin let, the player bottle. Let's see who, who the priority is. You, you play the game in the comments as well. Go, go over to YouTube and uh, leave a comment under this video. <laughs> How many positions, right? I We did this before the show. I think they need six, right? I'm saying three first-team players and three squad players. Mm-hmm. What is your order of priority? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first. Striker, one. Central midfielder, six or eight. Somebody who can do both, two. Goalkeepers, three for me. Right back is five, centre back is four, and then striker is six. Other striker, younger. See, option. yeah. See, I don't, I don't think you're a million miles off. Like I really don't. So, what would mine be? So, striker definitely, but it's got to be an elite striker. Like, like we are talking hundred million pound bracket. If you want to be serious, yeah, don't be going and getting us. You know the next Veghorst or someone like that would, or the next Martial who you, gets injured. Would you settle there? Are you talking Osman Kane or would you settle there for a Hoyland from Atalanta or a Ramos from Benfica? No, I see. I wouldn't settle for them. They're good players, those two. But I think that this, this is where you might end up because if you do go down that road where you will spend 50, 60 on a new goalkeeper then you might not be able to spend 100 to 150 million on the prime striker. It's the truth. So this is all about balancing the books. And this is not the Todd Bowley world that he lives in. And this is not the Qatar world where there's unlimited money. As it stands today, we're talking in terms of glazonomics. So this is it. You're a football club with 600 million pound of debt carrying on you in your, in your profit and loss. That's just the truth. So, Let's do the order. So, goal. So, so it's, for number one is definitely a striker, and it has to be a great striker because it has to be someone that pushes the the needle, not just in terms of scoring goals. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. 
break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Which is, of course, very, very important. It's about the press. It's about energy and it's about intelligence. Harry Kane. So there's your first player, okay? Number two for me is central midfield because for me, it feels like every week I talk about creativity. So I want a creative central midfielder that can run around a lot as well. It's got plenty of energy. That's got Fred energy, but hasn't got Fred feet. Yeah. So is that is that is that someone like um uh kind of Dion? I don't know. Like we love Dion, don't well, we? We've we talked on, him up. He said on a previous show, it's Declan Rice profile. But it's more like Declan Rice. But can you get Declan Rice and a top striker in the same window? Doesn't have to be window? Declan Rice. Is what what I'm saying is doesn't have to be Declan Rice ish. Like he scored an amazing goal in yesterday as well. So so there we go. So you, you, they're they're the first two, and I think those two are way ahead of everything in terms of priority. So like if you do nothing, buy those two. Get yourself a top striker and a top midfielder, and you will go up levels quickly. Yeah, you will. Number three, did you say goalkeepers three for you? I would say goalkeepers three, and I'd also put it in that tier as it's it's third in the in the in the list Your, order. But yeah. I don't put I don't draw the line at two. I draw the line after three. Right, third for me is centre back because Varane is made of glass, like I said last week. So you're seeing in real time now the issues with the end of the season, but also various points in the in the season as well. That if you take either one of Varane out, one of Martinez out, or both of them out, you are like fifty times worse. So you need a centre-back that can help you. Now, that could be a kid, could be a 21-year-old development project who's really good with their feet and really quick and someone that you can cover. And then you bin off Maguire and you get rid of him and you say, thank you very much, Harry. Good luck in your career at West Ham or wherever you go. Maybe use Harry Maguire as a make-weight for Declan Rice. There's another deal we could do. But, you know, you, you've got these options. But dead, I think, for, for me, are the three. And the reason why I put those three ahead of, of a goalkeeper is because on-ball situations are still Man United's problem. And as much as a goalkeeper at the back, who's a sweeper-keeper, will improve your on-ball situation from there, in theory, when you look at the metrics and the numbers, it is not saying that you're losing games because of that function. You're losing games because you give the ball away in midfield way too much and you've got no connectivity. And in the game last night, last night where your energy levels are lower for whatever reason, you lose. You go to Anfield and lose seven, with your first choice midfielder or number six there, and you still concede seven. So there are there are there are reasons for this. So for me, they're the first three, but number four isn't goalkeeper either. And for me, it would then be one of the fullbacks. And I think goal fullbacks to add to the stock, like you just said, they're Wambasaka. I I like what I've seen from Wambasaka. I would keep Wambasaka. But the jury is still out on that. I think the jury is definitely out on Malassia. I don't think he's played well at all this season. When you look at his, his forward functioning metrics, they're really, really bad. I wanted to swear then. They're not good at all. So you, you kind of look at those two fullbacks. And I think you still need a fullback in there that does something different, yeah, that gives you another option. So they're the first four. They're all on-ball players, yeah? Goalkeeper. Before you go on. Before you, go go on. on. you put centre-back third. Yeah. I agree. I think they seriously do need a, a right-sided centre-back alternative to Varane or somebody yes. who play both. Do you not get a third option of playing out from the back in a new goalkeeper, whereas you keep two if you have De Gea plus a centre-back? If you look at, let's take the, the, the two real primary Premier League goalkeepers that everyone always references. Of course, that's Edison at City, who is absolutely... Wondrous, as good as outfield players with the ball at his feet. And let's look at Allison and what Allison does now. So Allison is part of a really, really bad Liverpool defence. Yeah, really bad. That tried to play out from the back. And this year they don't look so good. And when you look at Allison's outball and what he plays to the defence, it's completely changed over the last two or three years. Edison, on the other hand, has also changed some of his game and has actually taken it away. You watch what Edison does now. He actually passes the ball from much deeper in his box because he's got the ability to do that. Not many goalkeepers are of their level. Like if you're going to go into the marketplace, there's not a ton who are close to those two guys' stats with the ball at their feet. 
But the stats also show that those two make mistakes with the ball at the feet. It's just that because they're so good at it, we kind of go, that's all right, because players make mistakes. I think when you look at De Gea, De Gea will never be an elite goalkeeper with the ball at his feet. But he might be better, Scott, with these. And this is what I think managers always always fight with, is that do they want a goalkeeper? Like De Gea is going to be a massive part of this. If he wins the Golden Gloves, it will be him and the two centre-backs, not the two we saw last night, but obviously the, the main two. And those three as a function this year have worked really well, both passing the ball out from the back. They haven't lost it a whole bunch. And that's about the mix and the chemistry between the three. Would I like to say goodbye to David Hayer and buy a new goalkeeper? Absolutely, yes. But I do think that Eric Ten Hag doesn't think it's one of the top three priorities because he can just give this goalkeeper a new contract. Do you think that's changed after last night? Potentially. But do we know any more about David Hayer after last night? Let's be honest. I think we're kidding ourselves. When these bad car crashes happen and we go, oh, we only had three wheels on the night. We know it. We knew it before when we got in the car and belted up and went off on it. We know it's got three wheels. Why are we debating that there's a problem? So we know there's a problem, but does this manager then think it is as big a problem as striker, central midfield and centre-back? I don't believe he does. And for me, not either. I look at those three positions. And if you if you incrementally imp- made them better for whatever, however you do it, whoever you choose, and you do it at the right end, the right elite level, this year you've come third or fourth, maybe fifth, but let's hope you come top four with a really, really dysfunctional bunch of what I would call kindly Muppets at times. So you've got these players and you still actually were pretty good overall. So that's where I sit with it. And I think that if you go get Kane or an Osserman, we can argue that to a blue in the face, a central midfielder like a Declan Rice, you may get Frankie De Jong, a centre-back, we've talked about Kim, we've talked about Timber. So I think Timber's a really good option because he solves the right-back and the centre-back issue, doesn't he? You could go make these smart signings and go from a team that expects to come third, fourth or fifth, like we are now, and start to come second and first. And if you get a striker, I said this about Martial, didn't I, last week? You had Martial in your team all season long, Man United own a title race. That's how these margins are, whether you got Maguire in your squad or not. So like this, this is the thing. You will get rid of players. It'll be natural turnover. And I think you see that there's four, five, six in this squad that don't belong here under this manager. They just don't think this manager's discovered that with playing them and seeing it but you've got to buy the right players in you can't get away with doing what United have done in years gone by and going Lukaku 90 million scores goals at Everton yeah that fits oh it doesn't fit any of the stylistic things you want to do oh right okay well maybe we'll sell him in a couple of years kind of remind me when Man United bought one Sebastian Veron years ago my favorite non-Man United player of all time and he came mm-hmm. to Man United and I was I was overjoyed i was at that game at old trafford in his debut in tears because i was like we've got Ferron, the best midfielder in the world and fergie bought him when he had the best midfielder in the world and didn't need him that was fergie you know so this is how i look at united now this manager deserves the best but he's he might have to work around it and find ways because there are six positions as you're saying there that you do need to address whether you can address it all at once and get it right i don't know i don't like i know this is kind of if you're pro De Gea, right, I'm sorry. But I keep coming back to this. And something I just have not mentioned yet, right? We've been talking about De Gea's distribution the entire show. Mm. He has more weaknesses than that. Mm. Coming if for the ball. Like, and, and people in the comments, like, feel free to get engaged and involved. If enough people watching who are not involved get the shivers from David De Gea dealing with crosses... Yeah. from his authority, mm-hmm. all of these different things. If enough people outside feel like that, what must the players think on the pitch? Does that inspire confidence in them? And I realize that I, I would like to preface this with David De Gea is a legend, an mm-hmm. absolute legend. Clean sheets, clean sheet record, right? You know, been here 10 years plus, more, more than that, 12 years, won the Premier League. Great, great guy. Likes the same music I like. You, you know, it's like, great guy. But what I'm saying is, ruthlessness. Ruthlessness is everything that Manchester United have been lacking in the last 10, 12. You could even probably go back to 2008. To, mm-hmm. Tevez, maybe. Tevez, maybe you go that, that far. They haven't been that ruthless ever since then. You know, and that was not like... That was 
Tevez's decision in the end. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but they have not been ruthless. And I feel like this is, and I'm not alone here, this is probably the perfect opportunity to be ruthless. And there's other players that you need to be ruthless with, but I just don't see the sense in it. I don't. Okay, I, I will I will play devil's advocate with that, yeah? We, we talk about ruthlessness when this manager has come in, taking a set of players and taking them to top four and won a trophy. So the, the thing is, to us, to, as fans, we see these things, we get the jitters about them and we don't like them. And you're right to say, do players see that as well? Well, yes, they do completely because football is a is a is a holistic game. You you do feel those things on a football pitch the same way that fans does. The only thing that matters, Scott, is what Eric Ten Hag thinks. It's the only thing that really matters. And our game as journalists is to predict why the manager thinks certain things and doesn't think other things. So, like I, I look at, I'm with you on all of that. And you're right, De Gea is a legend. You know, I've called him before the best goalkeeper I've ever seen at Manchester United, more than, than Peter Schmeichel. I get a lot of stick for that. But I'm not in the let's keep De Gea camp. I'm really not. But I am in the camp of why is De Gea cut, staying at the football club and why are they negotiating with him and why is this manager kind of sticking with him when a lot of people are saying don't stick with him. The manager will put his neck on the block on this. That's what it comes down to because football fans don't have to do that, Scott. We don't have to do that. We don't put our neck on the block and put our jobs on the line when it comes to these things. It's the manager and the players that put they do those things when they're out on a football pitch or when they're coaching them. And I think that when you look at the De Gea thing, De Gea's issues there about coming for the ball were there when he was 18. They're not, they're, they've always been there. Yeah. It's not, it's not only today we're talking about these things and going, oh, this is a brand new issue. It's not, but he's not going to be Edison. He's not going to be Alisson. And I think it's arguable to say that as a shot stopper in general, that he's a better shot stopper than those two. Yeah, because I don't know. what I want. I think one of those two players at Man United in the last three or four years would have looked really bad goalkeepers with the defences that we've had. And De Gea has gone through his whole career, Scott, saving Man United multiple times. So this is not about... Like you talk about ruthlessness... And I think all businesses outside of football and inside of football, you've got to be ruthless. You've got to look at stuff and you've got to think about football, players that help you and all these things. Get rid of players that don't help you. But I think sometimes, Scott, it's a little bit misguided because it's not about that. It's about how do you make it work, not how do you blow it up. So I think that, that Ten Hag could blow this up. Like he's He's got valid reasons to really bin 10 players. And do, that's what Ranić said. And Ranić was right. And I'm going to stick with that forever. Ranić said, ten, you need 10 signings. And he got sacked because of it. <laughs> this manager is not going to tell this board he needs 10 signings because he'll get sacked or he'll end up out the door. They'll blame him. Mourinho said something similar. He needed eight signings and they went, you're not getting one and you're off. Bye. So there's always got to be a bit of diplomacy and ruthlessness has to come through through structure and through process. And yes, I wouldn't give De Gea a contract. You wouldn't give De Gea a contract. And there are reasons for that. But the manager has to know that if he's not giving this goalkeeper a contract, that he's getting 60 million to spend on a new goalkeeper. Rannick said you need 10 signings since then. And I'm right. not including goalkeepers. They've signed seven. Yeah. And they've also let go Pereira, Bai, yeah. Chong, you know, doesn't count. Mata, Mar Lingard, yeah, Matic, Pogba, Cavani, and Ronaldo should have gone last summer as well. How many is that? One, two, three, four, yeah. five, six, seven, eight. But that's natural turnover, would you say? Like I, I don't think that's ruthlessness. I don't think someone went, we've got to get Chong out of the football club. Like this is the thing. This is the only dif differentiation I'm trying to make on it is that I don't, I think you, you get natural movement with contracts and stuff like that. It's a bit like picking a team, isn't it? You've only got X amount of players to work with, whether they're good or bad. You've got to work with them. But I think when you look at those players going out the door, I think this summer we'll have more of that. I really do. Like, let's do it now. Phil Jones. So we know Phil Jones won't be at the football club. I think the likes of Chong won't be returning. So maybe can you add those in? Like the two Insabies of the world? Baye, like gone completely. Did Baye, is Baye gone on a permanent? Or no, the, the, that like, option is not being triggered, so they have before. to tell him. Alex Tellez will be gone. So I think Donny van der Beek will be gone. I think you look, you could say Anthony Martial, the way that his body falls apart might be, be difficult gone. to shift. Like I think Anthony Martial will be difficult. Be difficult to shift, but if you give him to a club for 10 million, I think someone might take him or as part of a deal. So that's seven already through, through not being ruthless, but just letting contracts be done. Get the contracts done, move them out of the football club and be happy with it. You add so, your ruthlessness and efficiency. 
De Gea, I, you're, 375 I think off the wage bill. Harry Maguire, interest from Italy and Premier League clubs. Scott McTominay, yeah. interest from a ton of Premier League clubs. Aaron so Wan you have to be ruthless with individual positions. Premier League clubs. Yeah. So, That's so 10 you, players. So it's 10 players and you might lose them, but then it gets sold through, obviously, our media channels as clear outs. And it's not a clear out. It's just natural turnover. So I think the manager sees that and will wait tips. for that. Yeah. And, it is Scott. It is. It's just it's taking it's taking the East Enders out of the subject. Yeah, it's not soap opera. It's a business. So those ten will go because they're they're due going, and and that's it. And they can't help you. Someone like Pereira has gone to Fulham and absolutely proved that he probably is a twenty to thirty million pound central midfielder number ten, and he's done that well at Fulham, and he'll probably go to a bigger club next year. And we all went get rid of him for ten pence. So it does. There, there are there are kind of cases there. I don't think ruthlessness is what's wrong with the structure at Man United. I think recruitment and retention from the Glazers. Is, is a massive problem and it's still there whilst they're still there and I think this manager has to work within certain parameters As I don't think he's going to look at David Hayer and go David your feet are rubbish I'm going to get ruthless with you mate but uh, board can I have can I have 60 million for a new goalkeeper no I can't what do you mean I've got to start with Jack Butland next season oh my god I didn't realise that and I've just let David Hayer go oh I'll put the phone down so that is a real thing in football and very, very real at Man United. Their recruitment and retention stinks, Scott, for 10 years. That's why you are where you are. And those people are still signing the checks. So ultimately, we are probably, I think, promoting new ownership here. <laughs> but I also think it's hard for Eric Ten Hag. I don't think he can just say to the board, get rid of 10, buy me 10, and we'll be Chelsea and we'll, we'll be top four. Oh, no, we're not. We're 10th. So United top four this year. The Glazers are going to be saying, well, what we decided to do last year worked. Aren't we clever? Well, no, the, the squad still does need change. We, of course, we still need signings. There's no doubt about it. My does it boil down to the goalkeeper? Does it? I don't know. I think it's a lot more important than people make out. But, you know, that is a, that's a very, very 50-50 yeah. divide. And I think a lot of it comes, in, comes down to loyalty as yeah. well from, from a lot of people. But it's what mad, I say, yeah. your goalkeeper does not have to cost 60 million no. if you know what you're doing. Of course, go find the next big thing. But like Man United have never been very good at that in recent times. So like I think it's a it's a big leap of faith that if you're going to get rid of your primary goalkeeper and we know what De Gea can and can't do, if you if you're going to get rid of him, you've got to make sure you know what's coming in. And that is more important. That's ruthlessness. That's being sure of what you're building. Don't just say off you go. Like I think with Paul Pogba, because I think there's a similarities here. With Paul Pogba at the end, the issue really was that he was injured. And I think Man United looked at that and went, that's the end of it. Get rid of him. And I think that was the right thing to do. That was ruthless. And I think that was the right thing to do for that player. I think with David De Gea, if you're going to lose your number one, the number one coming in next year has cannot be a development project. It can't because you no, will I lose games that. because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so David De Gea, who we've said has saved us a load of times, but has all these issues going to win a golden gloves and we'll let him go on free and all of this. You've got to make sure that if you bring in Costa in for 60 million, that Costa ticks every box that you want and that Costa's going to have Edison-like metrics from the back. Doesn't always work like that. Doesn't. Doesn't. You get you get, you get get fooled you, sometimes by... me that the shot stopping from David De Gea is top, top, top? Because I've definitely seen it floating around that it's not. I think it, it anyway. depends what kind of shot it is. So long shots... He's really, really poor with, right? He's really like, he, he, like people score lots of goals from him from the edge of the box. And I think you can say, yeah, but when you look at the metrics of other goalkeepers, he's absolutely on par with those kind of big moments. So even last night, Scott, when it was all going wrong, you said one minute ball bounced in front of the box. Yeah, you know, the six-yard box. And he gets his body in front of it. And then it's a big scramble. Yeah, he's really good at that stuff. Like the metrics are, do support that. But I do think things, it's not about metrics, is it? It's not just about metrics. I know I highlight them a lot. It's about trust. And it's about what you can put out there and can't put out there. And you think that's a bigger problem with De Gea. As you said, I think 50-50 is fair. I don't understand this fan element of being faithful to players. Like, yeah. what? Like, you, you're faithful to the badge and the club. That's what you're faithful to. That's who you support. Your players come and go at the end of the day. De Gea will be gone one day, either sooner or later. Um, if you can get better in that position, Scott, do it. If you don't think you can get better without really spending the money, then don't do it. And that's kind of as, as easy as it gets. If it means that you can't sign Harry Kane or Osserman because you change your goalkeeper, do you keep De Gea, Scott? Tell me. 
that's very hypothetical. Very hypothetical, but if that but is what the manager's been told by the, by the board... To- I've just told you my priority order. Yes, yeah. So, so well, you would, I would spend more three. on a goalkeeper if it mean, meant you didn't need to buy a right back. I would do that. I would take that risk. And yeah. I've already said my priority order is central, uh, striker, central midfielder. So your, your answer there is no. Mm-hmm. However, not every goalkeeper costs 60 million. Is no, point. they don't. They don't. But I, I don't know anyone below. Let's play that game very quickly. Who would you buy? I would even take David Raya. Okay, what, what what do we reckon he's going to? He's in the final year of his contract. Isn't Brentford he, doing up? doing the posturing of forty. Okay, they're doing the posturing of forty. Yep, being realistic. Yep, a good negotiating team guessing for twenty five. If if that in the dream, last year of his contract, if that dream scenario could happen, and Man United want to pull trigger on that, I back it one hundred percent. So if you could do that for twenty five, all I'm saying, thirty million, is, I like David Rye. I think he's a really really good goalkeeper. But when you put his metrics side by side with De Gea in lots of categories, he's not wildly better. Yeah, he's just different. So managers do look at these things and clubs do look at these things and recruitment teams do look at these things. So uh, You also definitely have be- Ian Anderson in there. I'm not saying bring him back, but somebody will pay for him. Anyway. Dean <laughs> <laughs> Henderson, you know, like he'll, he'll tell you to, straight to your face that like he thought he was going to be Man United's number one and all of these things. But his metrics showed that he wasn't better on the deck with David Day. He was mildly better, like a little bit. And he made other mistakes and couldn't make shots that were like four yards from him were going in the back of the net and he wasn't making saves. So there's always, a, it's always horses. Are horses. Never, are never a thing. But hey, Brentford, would you like Dean Henderson if we take David right? It's, it's, just come on. Could happen that. That's it, real. The wages are different, but all I'm saying is right. Straight swap. I I think that. that there are United can be smart here. What they have done this season, Scott McTominay's value is inflated. You know, there's other players. Aaron Wambasaka's value has gone back up from what it was. Yes. There's other players in there with interest from Premier League clubs, Victor Lindelof. You can get 15 million from Inter for Victor Lindelof. Mm. I'm not dreaming, you know? You're, you're I, know not in, dream- I know Inter's you're- cash position is bad, but they're going to need to sell. Anyway, look, I'm going down hypotheticals. I don't really have to <laughs> But we'll do more of this on future shows. Anyway, let us know in the comments. This 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 show has turned into Maguire, Maguire and De Gea. Divisive topics, maybe not so much on Maguire. I'm really interested to know your thoughts on uh, David De Gea and your position. Would you renew his contract on 200k a week or whatever it's going to be? Would you do it? What would you do? Who are the options to replace him? We need to turn our attention to Sunday because the season goes on. Luke Shaw looks injured. Rafa Varane injured. Lisandro Martinez injured. Harry Maguire suspended. What do they do at centre-back? Well, I said you off camera. I think you might have to put Casemiro at centre back, and that's something I really didn't want to consider or do. And obviously, you, you, you're enforced with Maguire out of there now. I, Luke Shaw is not going to be fit, is he? We can just see like he really struggled. I think when he came on the second half, you, in hindsight, probably should have saved him and given him a few more days rest to to get him ready for Wembley. Um, but yeah, I think that's that might be the only thing you can do. Is go with that makeshift defence, move Lindel, keep Lindelof on the left, and move Casemiro to centre back. But then that does weaken your number six position, and kind of you don't have really uh, a credible number six that can do the the four one five. And if you can't do the four one five, then you might have to go to the four three three that you reverted to this year to be more tighter and to play more compact. And against a team like Brighton that pass the ball really well, that really really press well, that get you going, that can do you in transition. You might have to do something completely different, Scott. And that's a, that's a tough gig. I don't think Ten Hag will want to do it, but you now might be back to needs must. And remember, <laughs> we were saying that only about three or four weeks ago. Needs must, needs must, needs must. You might have to put Martinez in central midfield. You might have to. Do, he didn't do any of those things, did he? He still just did what he does. So I, <laughs> I don't think we probably will see Casemiro at centre back. But what, what's the choices? It all depends on Luke Shaw's fitness. I think Ten Hag is yeah. doing a press conference later today on Friday. I think it's about 5 p.m. or something like that. He's um, not fit. He's he not fit. Look it, he? Like, it doesn't matter what Ken Ten Hag says. He is not fit. You can see he's not. Rashford is not fit. They're out there giving putting their bodies on the line because the manager's asking them the question. Shit. 
What, what's the what's the case with McTominay at the moment? Well, the, the, uh, McTominay's not been fit, but that is another option. Obviously, play centre back for Scotland plenty of times, so you might see that to preserve Casemiro as the six. So that that might be an answer. But these are kind of everything is slim pickings, isn't it? Everything is like you kind of go, oh, I don't like that. Um, but what does the manager like? What does, what can the manager do? How do you mitigate? Like playing out from the back, is that a problem? Well, you're just going to tell today and knock it in the channel every time. Don't pass through him, David. Knock it in the channel. But I'll tell you what, Eric Ten Hag will, will not tell his players that. He, they will not say that, but they might try and play on transition a little bit more. They might try and play with a mid-block. Why does the manager never consider three at the back? I've always thought this because it's hey, a done it a few times this season towards really, the end not, of games. Not to really. It. Like, it's, it's, it, have we really seen it where... United have gone to a kind of overt three-five-two, or something. Well, I don't have like any centre-backs currently, so. <laughs> but this is it. So, so three-five-two is is a, is an option against a team like this uh, this Brighton team that will probably play three-four-three. So you might be able to match up with them. But if they if they want to run around more than you, Scott, then you're probably going to lose. So, like you know, you need to make those things work as well, don't you? So, really, really difficult call at centre back, and, and a massively difficult game. I'm scared of this Brighton team. I think they're really good. And they're better than Sevilla. Like they are two, three, four times better than Sevilla are. To me, I think like what you said on a show we did recently, Rob, it's all about just get the top four. I don't care anymore <laughs> about everything else. I think that right. is, that's it, right? Uh, that is the case. That's it. it, it get through yeah. Brighton, whatever the result. Um, and just look at the Spurs game next Thursday. And I said this before Newcastle, don't lose that game. They did. Yeah. Don't lose at Spurs. They probably no. will. <laughs> yeah. the, the London Marathon is on Sunday, 26 miles, yeah. And the most important thing is finishing it, right? Get to the end of the race and whatever your personal best was is your personal best. But if you get to the end of the race and you achieve your objective, tick. And, and that's where I am. And that's where I was last week before the severe game. It's where I've been for a while. And I look at this and I think even coming forth from this scenario now, if you come forth and you've won your trophy, I keep saying it, it's a successful season. And you can write off a lot of these problems then. Then you can start trying to fix these things. You can then make considerations about your goalkeeper, about your centre-back, who your striker's going to be. Of course, Man United are already in this process. They're doing it already behind the scenes. We know this. But it's about how, how hard do you go? How quick can you go to get to where you want to be through the summer? And it showed last year, Scott, like you talked there about all the players Man United bought. It was a slog of a summer, wasn't it? It took hard for them to pull triggers on deals. They had to negotiate hard and they wanted Frankie de Jong and they didn't get Frankie de Jong. It ruined a lot of the equilibrium. If that starts again this year and you do it with an Osserman, huh? They can't do that again. They Especially Frankie. It. They can't do that again. They can't do it again, but they've absolutely got form of doing it over and over again. So this is what we're worried about. We talk about being ruthless. It's more It's more about being, I think, pragmatic, getting players that you know can do it. And I agree with you. Like, Not every goalkeeper has to cost 60 million, but if you want a good goalkeeper, it's going to cost you 40, 50, 60 million. If you get Rayard on the cheap, so be it. Great, great addition. I really like him. But then Rayard stepping up from Brentford to Man United might completely change his mindset and he might not look as good a goalkeeper. I do believe that as well. So it's like Harry Maguire looked really good before he came to Man United. He's never looked good at Man United. It's just what it is. Um, so there is that problem. Um, and you've got to make sure that whoever you're bringing in does give you added value. So I don't think that's particularly difficult, but you've got to choose which positions. And for me, it starts at striker, then midfield, and then everything else is fair game for me. Get two really good players, 200 million to 250 million in those two positions. And then you spend another 100 million on the rest. But that's 350 million. And Man United are in a lot of debt. So fantasy football. Do you know what I mean? I'm considering this week getting a four point deduction because I want to get two players in this week, in this game week. But that's fantasy I'm football. Using my free hit this week, but my 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 season has really tailed off. Well, there week. you go. Like, I think both of us were kind of in, in our leagues. We kind of tailed off a little bit. But that's fantasy football, and you can do that. And there's no risk. And putting your neck on a block doesn't mean anything. But in football, it does. So it's a job. So I think Ten Hag looks at that. And I think he's managed the twelve months really well with what he's had. And I think they will go into the summer. He'll make the additions. But I think he might get rid of some of the players that we. Might not advocate. I think Jaden Sancho is one of those. And I think we'll be talking about that a lot in the week's head. To see him get pulled at half time last night, Scott, there was a there was a thing there, wasn't there? Man just saying, I don't trust you to take me. We're only one nil down. 
and he didn't trust Sancho. He took Sancho off, and I think that is, I think that says more to me than him picking De Gea every week. <laughs> I think that's more. It's a more obvious statement of a tent than him giving the gloves to De Gea. So. I think that's going to be a huge talking point now in the weeks about who goes to facilitate a lot of these transfers. Um, I think Martial and Sancho might be two of the players. Yeah, all uh, stuff we will find out. That's exasperating, isn't it? It's like, I can't breathe. It's like, oh. Sorry, it's been a long one today. Um, let us know in the YouTube comments or on Twitter um, what your priority list of, uh, of player positions Give us names as well. Why not? It's all a fun game. Name them. Yes. Name them. Uh, put a hypothetical price on them if you want. Uh, don't get them too wrong, though. Um, also, let us know on where you stand on David De Gea. I suppose it's, it, we've done a lot more on him today than I thought we would at the start. But hmm. I think that's just maybe because I've made my mind up. And maybe there are other people who have also made their mind up. And it's, a, like I say, it's a divisive thing for the fan base because he is a club legend he is a great servant but like we say not everyone don't judge players on that don't judge them on that don't judge them on 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 what they what they have done in the past judge them on current and future that's the way i say it and i think that's what managers do managers look at and say can you help me win um yeah a lot on day but it's going to be so much more in it as well isn't there Big week next week. Uh, well, this weekend, FA Cup semi-final versus Brighton. Midweek next week, Tottenham away on Thursday night. I think yeah. we're doing three shows next week. So we'll, be, we'll be here because we missed one last week. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, hopefully, unless anything happens. But that should be the plan. Uh, so we'll see you then. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And watch us on YouTube as well. Give us on on the uh, audio platforms as well. Give us like a five star rating if if you if you would like to. Um, please, I've yes. never really said that before, but please please do it and leave, leave nice comments for us or tell us what you think uh, on those platforms. Get in touch on YouTube. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment, and follow us on Twitter at underscore. <clears throat> Sorry, I lost my voice doing that at the start of the show and lost my voice at the end of the show doing that. At underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. We'll be back soon. Rob, anything to add before we go? I was going to try and say something quirky about De Gea then, but there isn't anything really, is there, at the end of the day? Uh, same problems, same issues, but also the same solutions. And uh, I think for me, that Tottenham game coming up, that's the season. That is it. You know, like the other games do matter, of course. But you've got to beat Tottenham Hotspur. If you, if you bury Tottenham Hotspur, that is your six-pointer. And that gets you a long way towards where you want to be on the final day of the season. And that really has to be the focus. I think that's what Ten Hag will be saying. I know Ten Hag talks a lot about every game is important. Of course, that's true. But I think that's how he's looking at this now. How do I make sure that these fires don't rage and burn the whole house down? Because if we come fifth, that League Cup means nothing. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Get in touch and we'll see you soon for another Promised Land. Hopefully, Man United play a little bit better on Sunday than they did last night, but I'm not holding out much hope. See you soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.